Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another month of queer. Queers unpacking everything endlessly and relentlessly. My name is Anthony Chang. I use he, him pronouns, and I am the Q Center Assistant Director. Today, I'm joined by... Hi, everyone. My name is Joey. My pronouns are they, them, and theirs, and I am the Graduate Program Coordinator at the Q Center. Hi, my name is Allison. I use she and her pronouns, and I am the Graduate Audio Video Specialist at the Q Center. Awesome. Well, thank you two for joining me today. It's honestly been a while since we had this configuration, and it feels like we're kind of coming home a little bit. Yeah, it feels yeah. good to be back. Good to be back. <laughs> and honestly, what a time of the year. A very interesting time of coming together that we really get to talk more about just sharing space in this upcoming cycle that is a little bit chillier, that is a little bit colder, that is the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and on that note, we can dive into our opening question. And um, there is a lot of t- intentionality around this opening question, and we can speak a little bit more to it after we dive in. But um, the opening question is, what does this time of year mean for you? What does the winter time here in Seattle, um, because this is where we all are right now, what does it mean for you? I think for me, it is hard because um, I'm from California, so being in Seattle already is an adjustment for sure. So I think um, like the seasonal depression is real and uh, just feeling like my mood is reflecting the weather is also very real. Like I feel like my body and my mind and my spirit is like very connected to um, not only the lighting outside, but also like the temperature outside and the rain or whatever it is um and so I think it's because of that um I tend to like isolate a little bit but I also think that it results in a lot of introspection and self-reflection so there's a lot of internal growth that's done for me um throughout the holiday season especially with Christmas and Hanukkah and um a lot of family get-togethers yeah, definitely a time for self-reflection for me. Mm, mm, I love that. That like mirrors a lot of how I conceptualize the winter time of like it is a time when the earth sort of rests and retreats and I think we are it it feels good and natural and normal to like mirror that and to sort of rest and retreat and being in grad school you don't really get a chance to do that so it's been sort of a tumultuous and chaotic time for me like being on those two ends of the spectrum being inclined and called to rest and then being inclined and called to like a hundred thousand million finals and whatever mm-hmm. yeah Definitely. Mm-hmm. yeah y'all they really just crank them out for you huh you don't get any rest no i do not oh. well on that through your story Allison while also being a native California we all know what sad is living in Seattle that seasonal affective disorder mm-hmm. I deeply feel that every year and I don't know it's such an interesting because I do enter that reflective mood that you were talking about and what's mm-hmm. I find further interesting is for me the winter time is the intersection of so many fighting messages right in one hand I enter that reflective state I enter what I call the most beautiful sadness I'll experience all year, right? It's that very gloomy, very like slightly silver shiny kind of uh, hope is what I'll call that. It's where, you know, you're so slowed down to the point where you are desperately searching for that beauty, but it makes you appreciate it that much further. 
Mm. And yeah, the winter time is really reflective. But in that regard, I also love what the winter allows for because, you know, with the changing of seasons also allows for the changing of experience. Mm -hmm. And I get to interact with the outer world a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. In that regard, something I do very regularly in my life is whenever I'm kind of feeling antsy, I look for signs of life. A big thing of that is I look for trees, I look for mm-hmm. plants, I look for things that are growing. And it's so interesting to see something that, you know, traditionally during the summer, as you see blooming with life, mm-hmm. in the winter, that is, oh gosh, the word escapes me right now. I don't know. I just see that as like the most beautiful struggle, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's it's this survival. It is structure. It is energy that is there and present. We're not seeing it, but it's happening in real time. Mm-hmm. And you just wait a little bit and you will see the greatest sheer revival tour that is happening that spring. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did see that tour. Did you really? Yeah. I did it. <laughs> And yep, she came to New York and I absolutely saw it. It was incredible. Ooh. She was incredible. 75. Anyway. Gotcha. Yeah, winter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't it's it's a really interesting season. I don't know. It's very tricky. It's like both yeah. this invitation to slow down and reflect, but also this invitation to take in more and experience, at least for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really love like I feel like there is so much of what both of you said has so much reflection built into it Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we especially being in school and like working full-time I think we often forget that we are allowed to do it and that we're like in fact called to do it Um, yeah I really appreciate your answers I think the reason that I asked this question is because we were this is a holiday episode we are talking about queering the holidays and we were trying to figure out what be what a a good opening question might be or what an expansive or inviting opening question might be and we were thinking about like okay what do the holidays mean to you but then we sort of realized that maybe this is not the holiday season for everybody maybe this is just winter and there people have a really intentional rejection of the ways in which we connect holidays to the winter season maybe it's a really painful space and so they don't um like folks don't want to think about winter as part of the holiday season um and maybe we just don't have any holidays that we celebrate around winter even though we're surrounded by it because of like christian capitalism um yeah and so and you know part of the reason that i appreciated the question was because i am constantly surrounded by like christmas cheer and i'm not christian i'm jewish and there's living in new york there was a lot more like visibility um of like Jewish folks and the like holidays that we celebrate and a lot more connection at least for me in terms of my Jewish community because it was pre-COVID when I was living there um and I think there just are maybe like more of us in New York um yeah and so the winter time is sort of a weird time for me where I am I have this structured break I have this like really intentional where everybody goes home for the holidays and like gets time off from school and gets time off for work and all these things but it's not my holiday it's not Like, you know, I miss all of the holidays that I get to spend or like wish I could spend with my family. Um, So yeah, that is, that's a little background about why I wanted to ask the question that way. Um, Yeah, and with that, I'd love to like dive into, I feel like we've already started querying the holidays, but I would love to dive into like how we feel like we as individuals conceptualize the holidays and how we bring our queer and trans and fantastically magical selves into it yeah i actually feel pretty good jumping in i was actually having a conversation today um, with someone in the space on that in that for me it really isn't necessarily about the holiday cheer right something i find very interesting 
in the winter is I want to spread queer joy is how I usually frame it. And something I'm doing interestingly this year is how can I spread queer joy to myself? Mm-hmm. Because normally it's something I'm putting out there, right? And, you know, I just frame the season as something that's reflective. So why don't I try reflecting that at me? And particularly something I'm doing or something that I used to really uh, hyperfixate on is how I'd walk, right? I'd, I'd be walking left, right, left, right, be a mask man, you know, present, present. Mm-hmm. But something I did this morning that I felt really amazing about is, you know what? I like moving my body. I have a flowy scarf on. We're not gonna walk, we're gonna strut, okay? Fuck yeah. <laughs> One, got to where I got where I needed to be very fast. Yeah. <laughs> Two, I've never had a funner walk. Uh-huh. And you know, I didn't care about like any of the looks. I didn't, because e- there was equally positive ones as a word negative, thank you. Yes. And you know, that was my instance of spreading queer joy to myself and allowing myself that moment to tear down those gender expectations and spread that queer joy that is being presented in my body and spreading both outwardly but inwardly. And that felt amazing. And with that being said, we're only in, what, December 3rd at the time of recording? Yeah. Oh, who wants to see me on the sixth day of Christmas? Or not Christmas, <laughs> the holidays, because we're stepping away. Of queerstremis. Queerstremis. queer days Queer Queer-sember. Queer-sember. I like that. I love that. I love that you have decided to like turn Christmas cheer like TM on its head yeah. and be like, no, this TM. is fucking queer, queer cheer. Yeah. <laughs> it's really like, okay, let's be honest. The holidays are campy. Yeah, they are. And like, there is fun to lean into, right? which I appreciate. Yeah. It's campy. Campy, it's kind of, oh, that's a, let's, hmm. We can ask so many people at the Met Gala two years ago and they'd give you so many different oh answers. Uh, <laughs> so many of them disappointed me though, truly. Yeah. Um, campy is like overdone. Okay, mm. I'm a cheerleader, but I'm a cheerleader. That's a campy movie. It's mm. like over the top. Um, Elton John like embodies campy. Oh, yes. um, okay. Just like over the top, like just fantastic and glorious and like reveling in the like in the overtopness over the topness yeah that's that's a good point i do agree that the holidays can be kind of campy and i also had this thought the other day where i was just like i wonder why my family celebrates christmas like it was a really (sighs) random thought but like i'm not necessarily religious like i've never been to church or temple and so like my parents have their own religions that they grew up with, but I don't necessarily like um, hold either of those religions super close to my identity. So I think I was just wondering if it was due to capitalism or like due to those like that capitalistic pull towards Christmas. Um, these holidays are something that like my family unites on and like we all come together and there's like a lot of consistency for me each year, year to year. I've just seen a lot of growth in myself. It's been a time for me to check in with myself, like I was saying earlier, like for self-reflection, but also it's like, it's kind of just like um, a message to myself from last year. Like, I feel like every year I'll be like, oh, so this is how everything is. And I'll like, remember it exactly how it is, like capture it in time and then move on to the following year. And so I feel that with this last year, since last Christmas, I've done a lot of self-exploration and I've also done a lot of unlearning and being in the Masters of Social Work program at UW, I've just learned a lot about capitalism and how it can impact a multitude of systems and a multitude of families and individuals on so many levels. 
I was just thinking like, why do we celebrate Christmas? And part of me wants to ask my family that, but another part of me feels like they wouldn't even know the answer because it would be so ingrained in our almost like family culture and family structure at this point that like, I just feel like it's something we do, but I don't think, I don't know if anyone in my family would be able to really speak as to why and what is the significance of getting gifts each year. And what is that pressure of getting your family tangible gifts? Like, where does that come from? And it makes me think of how the idea of capitalism, when I first learned about it, was very much centered around like debt and feeling like you're in debt and owing people and mm -hmm. owing the state, owing the government, like, you know, owing your credit card, whatever. And that's kind of how I feel about Christmas because it's become a widely accepted, you know, westernized idea of everyone gets everyone gifts it's not like someone's birthday it's like everyone gets everyone something so it's like i wonder how many people feel in debt or feel like there's an unequal balance or just feel that pressure um, around the holidays and i think as you get older it's just for me it's been a lot more stress than it's been joy and so i've been trying to unravel that and trying to kind of connect to what you were saying, Anthony, about like finding that queer joy, because that's something that I am aspiring to, but transitioning, you know, at the age of 23 between like feeling like I connect more to my childlike self or feeling like I connect to my adult self. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's, you brought up so many amazing mm -hmm. points and I have so many thoughts. Um, okay, I think I'm going to start on sort of just like the experience of like the transactional nature of the holidays and how I don't, I, I definitely have experienced the ways in which there's like pressure to get presents mm -hmm. for people and there's pressure to get presents for like, okay, I'm going to get a present for um, my roommate and my best friend and my brother. And, but then, okay, what about my other friends? Mm -hmm. What if they get me a gift Then mm -hmm. I have to, you know, like there's so much obligation around mm -hmm. it and it does like, <sighs> It really extracts a lot of the joy from it. Mm -hmm. um, and because I think about this a lot, I think about the ways in which we have these really set holidays that are essentially products of capitalism, like mm -hmm. Valentine's Day, like Christmas, like, you know, Easter and what it looks like mm -hmm. now. Um, and the ways in which there is a core and underlying and very much hidden at this moment in time, like, way in which we're actually just trying to connect like these holidays are are at its core like the hope that i have for them and their most expansive forms are that we actually just like get to connect with people and like really intentionally celebrate them yeah. um, whether it be romantic partners or friends or family or whoever and something that i'm like really grateful for is that my like family when I was younger we moved when I was around nine and my brother was seven um and before that we were living in a neighborhood and we were the only Jewish family people did not know what Jews were <laughs> they were like what and my mom would make them would make my brother and me um our classes every year latkes to just be like hey like we exist this is just a different thing um, and I, how she like grated that many potatoes, I mean, <laughs> really like super mom. Um, but it was a conscious choice every year to celebrate what we celebrate. And there were many times where Shane and I were, would come home and be like, 
why don't we have a tree? Like, can we mm. just do a tree? Like, we'll mm. still be Jewish, but we can have a tree because we can mm. decorate it and it's the fun and all the things. And like, there's a really conscious resistance around it. And there were many moments that were really intentional choices. And I think those intentional choices took us out of that framework of like, sort of just default capitalist versions of Christmas, mm-hmm. um, which is another thing that I was thinking about as you were speaking. And I'm, I think like more, grateful for it now that I have the hindsight and now that I also have like the context of what so many of these holidays could mean Mm -hmm. and do mean Mm -hmm. as you're talking I heard so many also related ideas between (laughs) the two of you one the intentionality Mm -hmm. Two, this idea of being indebted Mm -hmm. you know earlier you said um, the idea of what if they get me a gift right Mm -hmm. and that idea of in debt and that idea of intention Mm -hmm. What if they get me a gift? If I don't get them a gift, am I in debt to them, mm-hmm. right? But in that same regard, in intentionality, what has this um, ritual of gifting exchange constructed as a means of either further inflating and building a friendship mm-hmm. or taking it apart? It's like, yeah. like that's a whole field, like an area of communication that I was sitting in and was super mm-hmm. fascinated by is like, how do our signals either reaffirm mm-hmm. or deny what we believe to be true? Right. Mm-hmm. If I if I in my mind construct myself as a good friend, right, and if society constructs it as a good friend gets their friend a gift on Christmas by intentionally purchasing this gift, am I verifying my own sense of being a good friend? Mm-hmm. Right. And what's making it worse, it just complicates all of these signals that are further intersecting. Right. This idea of being a good friend is informed by capitalism. Is it really a choice? I don't know. <laughs> yes, and like so much of it is outside of yourself. They're, they're like external things that are imposed on your sense of relationship. And I mean, being in social work school, something that like you and I learn about is um, attachment styles. And yeah. so like, if there is a deep security in the relationship and secure attachment, none of it matters. Like you can get somebody a gift and mm-hmm. you don't, re- like it's not reciprocated. And that doesn't like, it's not a zero sum game that mm-hmm. we, Relationships are not a zero-sum game, and somehow Christmas makes it that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like every year I try to tell my parents that I don't want presents, and every year they still get me presents. And I think there's something to be said for like boundaries around the holidays with family, and like I would never want to appear ungrateful, and I would never want to not value a love language that my parents may have that I may not necessarily identify as my number one love language so I want to respect that and I'm trying to like you know balance between respecting that my dad shows me he loves me with gifts and also communicating that I don't necessarily feel comfortable exchanging gifts once a year in this type of capacity and that I value quality time with my family an intentional quality time more than I value gifts because especially now that I'm away at you know in grad school and I was in college for four years and I'm in grad school so it's been six years since I was living at home and going home for the holidays it's I only have a few weeks like at a time out of the whole year I probably only have a few weeks at home and so it's like for me I'd rather spend time with you than have you be gone getting me a gift or stressing about a gift and it's like how do I explain that without sounding ungrateful mm-hmm. so that's been something I've been struggling with almost every year since I was out of the house and it's really hitting me hard this year for some reason mm-hmm. yeah 
That, I mean, that's very real. And mm -hmm. it makes sense also that it's hitting you hard this year because of the ways in which COVID has like created this chasm of connection that we are just like desperately trying to reach across, but also mm -hmm. are imbued with like the fears that come with COVID and like mm -hmm. the continuous ambiguous grief that we're experiencing throughout like the time is what has become so essential in this time mm -hmm, definitely yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense and I wonder like it's so interesting because hearing you speak I heard nothing that came across as ungrateful I only heard like I seek more connection with you because I love you these material things are not are not you know they are appreciated but they are not things that like hold my love your time and you hold my love you're such a social worker like that was a great <laughs> reflection oh thanks um, but yeah that is exactly yeah how I feel and I appreciate you recognizing that Joey mm -hmm. um and yeah and there's another I don't really want to change the topic but mm -hmm. there is something on my mind um yeah I was also thinking like since we are all queer like I'm just wondering I don't know if y'all feel this but I just feel an extra pressure with extended family and an immediate family to bring someone home and not only someone home but that someone that my family structure has expected whether or not that's you know explicitly stated I feel that extra heaviness of I need to bring home this person who I will never bring home because that is not who I am attracted to or drawn towards. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's just another, and it's not explicitly stated, right? Like it's not like my family or my extended family are saying like, oh, Allison, you need to be dating a man or um, a man of this identity or this racial background or whatever it is. But it's also like, you know, the subtle looks, the pausing in the speech, you know, the um the questions you know um the jokes um the comments about clothing whatever um those subtleties will add up to create that heaviness and that's something else that is highlighted for me over the holiday season or winter time i guess to reframe um and i'm wondering how that sits with both of you Oh, it sits. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it sits. Um, I don't know. Growing up, like, so one, like, we'll we'll go like the gamut of growing up, and then we'll go like the stage of bringing someone home for the holidays the first time or through the winter season, and then we'll talk a little bit where I'm at now because they definitely have very different feelings to them. Mm -hmm. In terms of growing up, I just really didn't look forward to the holidays. Um, that said, there was nuances of, of course, excitement because child like wonder at the holidays and this changing of the seasons. But for me, the holidays were this site of hyper visibility. Mm -hmm. It was this time of the year that I knew I was going to see everyone. I knew I was going to see people that didn't see me on a regular basis and mm -hmm. could keep up with my narrative. And the holidays where it just felt like it was the time of year where I was truly put on stage. Mm -hmm. And some additional context around that, in my family, I'm the only grandson, I'm the only nephew, I'm the only cousin, I'm the only like boy identifying person. Mm -hmm. I'm also the oldest. And so every year it was the entire family checking in on me because no one had kids, no mm -hmm. one had anyone else to check in on. So spotlight. spotlight. Mm -hmm. And 
every single year it was this pressure to be the ideal young up-and-coming man which was the last thing I wanted to be because how I understood you know this construction of man was also something I didn't see as positive mm-hmm. and every year having to put on that same mask dusking dusting off that same box and having to think about every single minute movement every tiny inflection in my voice the holidays were stressful that said i'm an adult now i've made experiences we've worked through a lot and we'll now shift over into that stage of where my family got to know who i was in regards to my sexual identity at that point Things a little simmered down a little bit. It was a little bit nicer. And, you know, at this point I had come out, but there was still kind of this uh, air of, he's coming out, but we haven't seen any, like, verification, as if they needed it. Um, but it was my first holiday bringing uh, a boy home, which was actually really nice. I had uh, my mother there to support that environment, and she facilitated that incredibly well. What did go rough was taking them to my father's side of the family. Mm. With that being said, we have not spent nearly any Christmases together since. Um, But in that regard of shifting that narrative into now, I really want to highlight that that struggle did have a beautiful ending to it all because I, for myself, I think time and space has done wonders for my relationship with my family, but that's just for me. I don't want to say that'll work for everyone, but in my experience of things, time and space has been phenomenal. That said, this past uh, Thanksgiving week, uh, my mother came and visited me. It was the first time I've seen my mother in three years. My mother has been supportive since day one. She has seen me for all that I am. She has never asked me more about myself than I was ready to disclose at the time. And I can truly say I there is no lie I can imagine telling this woman because I don't think I could do anything in which she would negatively judge me. And so on that, I had so many feelings going into this union, right? Is it going to be perfect? Are we going to experience these things? But full on stop, because, you know, what badly could go with her visit, right? We have this wonderful visit. I actually, funny enough, I get reunited at the UW. You know, I see her at the UW train station. We have this amazing hug. Off goes our week, right? And then we go off to have the most wonderful four days of seeing each other. There are no issues. She meets my current partner. She loves him. She knows I'm doing well for myself. She knows I'm okay. And at the very end of her trip, subtracted a lot of very emotional details, she looks me in the eye and she says, I know growing up, you didn't have many positive traditions to look up to. I know that there are so many things I couldn't protect you from in my own family. I see where you're at now. I see what you're able to experience in your life with your partners and just what you've done on your own. She's like, that said, I want this to be our tradition. I want to return here every year because I see what you've done. I see what you've done given space and I've seen what you've gone into the world and constructed for yourself. And she she noted that it was worth seeing for herself and that every year, regardless of how tired she was, regardless of how just unwell she was feeling, she would make that effort because she had seen, you know, her her little queer baby hmm. grow up into this queer adult who was no longer nervous, who was no longer hesitant, who wasn't scared, and who was fully confident in his full self and was out was finally at that point of willing to share that. And I'm happy she got to see that. And I'm happy I get to see her next year. I'm so happy you get to share that on this podcast. That's 
that's a like such a fantastically beautiful moment and such a role reversal that I don't Mm -hmm. think we often get to have like unless we demand it where Mm -hmm. so I think so much of like growing up and going home for the holidays is going home for the holidays and re-inhabiting your childhood self. That's so true. Yeah. And all the shit that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And instead, you're getting this moment to where, like, no, you're, you get to continue inhabiting, you get to continue to inhabit the full embodiment of who you are. Mm-hmm. And then you get to have your mother come and be with you in your space and what you have created and in the world and the space and the Anthony that you have created. Right? It's like, it was, oh, I shouldn't say right. Like, I should be, like, confidently hyping that up. But, um, <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> and also, something I should know I'm, that I'm completely erasing, I'm so sorry, my sister also came. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> Who is a young baby queer. Yeah. You know, and... We love the baby queers. We love yes. the baby queers. And, like, could I, if only I had an older sibling to look up to to see what was possible at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think about what I was experiencing at her age mm-hmm. and what I was navigating and how desperately sometimes I just wanted someone to talk to, someone to be open with, someone to just tell me what question I was supposed to ask. Mm-hmm. She asked me those questions. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, sorry, I'm getting like all emotional, but... It is it's that, emotional. It's emotional. Like, you know, I, I, I feel this up and... I don't want to, like, be all predicty about it, but, like, I'm becoming that site that people yeah. are seeing as worthy to flock to and they see as being um, worthy. And mm-hmm. I don't know. She, I just... Having her just ask me these questions, feeling comfortable to ask those questions, yeah. being in this position before... I didn't have those examples, so it's really nice to know I'm functioning as up for some. And I know it's not gonna be that for everyone, but if it fits, it fits, and I'm glad I can be there. I don't know. Sorry, this is uh, <laughs> this is not the space I should be like breaking. Well, not breaking down, but just crying. I'm emotional. This is absolutely the space. Uh, this is yeah. This is always the space. Definitely with two social workers, it's a space. Oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> safe crying. Oh, you guys have enough on your case. Expressing the emotions. <laughs> oh, we're here. Yeah. And I don't know. Just in this theme of or not really theme, but on this idea of wanting, of creating new traditions, mm-hmm. right? And queering the holidays, queering mm-hmm. traditions. Mm-hmm. Find, I don't know, find the person you want to flock to or be it. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful statement. Yeah. Yeah, what a, oh gosh. The fact that there are many moments in my life where I have, with an immense amount of pride inhabited the person that my younger self would have looked up to and going home for the holidays is almost never that it's always like a re-inhabitance of being a child right because you're Mm -hmm. surrounded by that setting you're surrounded by the people all these things and so just to hear you like, I'm just imagining this, like, explosion of, like, expansive, like, huge taking up space and, like, solid and good and colorful and all the thi- like, all the things Anthony, <laughs> right? Where your sister and your mother can, like, come and find 
safety and joy and pride and yeah a shift and new kind of relationship shit that's a lot and i can truly say like it has impacted me so positively right because Mm -hmm. those are the parts of myself that i never thought would be validated by Mm -hmm. a parental figure right why was i so hesitant well i know why i was hesitant Mm -hmm. to share that right safety Mm -hmm. of course but in the timeline that i was able to share that with her like it's phenomenal like this week alone i told you a story of how just amazingly i walk this morning Mm -hmm. i can truly say like if i did not have this experience with my mom and just having that full self just Mm -hmm. be validated by my mother i would not be able to be the confident self that strutted down new district today Mm. yeah yeah i love that today and this month and this year this is what the the winter season the holidays mean for you what about you i'm curious about like because it was such a good question that you posed and you spoke a little bit to it and i i'm like still mulling over my own answers because i it's yeah i'm curious what thoughts you have Wait, can you repeat the question yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I asked? I know, I'm just, there's been a lot of conversation I got a little bit lost with what I even asked in the first place. I think, I mean, you, you moved into speaking to, like, what it means to be queer and go home for the oh, holidays and, like, what great. expectations that sets up and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, I think a little bit of what both of you shared has resonated because, Anthony, with your mom and sister, like, meeting you where you're at in your life, that's so touching, really, because they see you and you feel seen. Um, And, like, even getting emotional bringing that up feels like progress. And I resonate with that because, as I was saying earlier, when I feel like I check in with myself every year, at that time, I also feel what you said, Joey, about being back in the same environment that you experienced any childhood trauma in, and I think that's been really hard for me because I feel that I'm maybe regressed with some of my progress that I've made in terms of the pride that I have around my identity, um, and um, the expression that that I the expression that I have around my gender and sexuality and all of that. Um, I feel I've come a long way moving to the PNW and just being in Seattle where there are, there is a big um, and welcoming queer community, I would say here. I think going back to where I came from is hard because I don't want to disappoint my grandparents and I don't want to disappoint my family and my cousins and everything like that. And I'm Um, My sister and I were the first, so my dad has five siblings, there's six of them in total, and then me and my sister are the oldest cousins out of everyone. So everyone looks up to us as like the model. And that's been really stressful for me because I don't know if I'm model material and I'm still, you know, growing into my identity and figuring out who I am and what that means for me. And... Um, I'm really nervous to bring someone home for the holidays. Not that I have anybody, but like when I do, I'm really nervous about it. Like, I don't know what that's going to look like or feel like. And my sister is older than me, um, but she's straight. And so I, uh, my parents are like always joking about how, mostly my mom, how they really want grandkids. And they're like, you know, like 
like, you better hurry, like, joking, right? But not joking. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh man, it's almost like who's gonna get there first. It's like a silent, no one talks about this, mm -hmm. but it's like a competition that I almost feel between my sister and I of like, who's gonna like mess up first? Who's gonna get married first? Like who's gonna have kids first? Um, like who's gonna be in a serious relationship first? And that just feels really stressful and I don't wanna be compared to my sister if she like brings home a guy because I feel like she embodies more, this is gonna get deep, but I feel like she embodies more of what my extended family expects from us than I do, just in a lot of ways, career path, um, sexuality, um, values, just everything, um, and I feel that I've gone against a lot of my cultural values, um, at least like the standard expectations that are like traditional in my culture, so that has been really jarring, and I think that comes out in the holidays too. Thanks yeah. for asking though. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, first of all, you are model material. Mm -hmm. Full you. stop. You, you just, I mean, you are because of all of the ways in which, like, you are so incredible and fantastic and brilliant and kind and compassionate and uh, good at what you do and good at, like, how you move through the world and the ways in which you make blushing. connections with people. Oh, I'm <laughs> Thank you, Joey. That's so nice of you to say that. But it's also true, and the fact that you, like, are in process, and figuring out your sexuality, and figuring out your gender, like, that is model material, is continuing to be in process. Mm -hmm. And I noticed when you said, like, you know, you're sort of waiting for you to mess up, or your sister to mess up, to mm -hmm. be, like, the mm -hmm. bad influence, but, like, mm -hmm. what if, what if messing up allowed your younger cousins the space and permission to make mistakes and to be human and to yeah. mess up because like <sighs> definitely fuck I I was just talking to my uncle about this he's like I don't want to make a mistake and I was like why I live to make mistakes like mm -hmm. I mean I try I, I say this it's easy to say it and it's like hard to actually embody because like shame is a thing mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> yeah yeah those are my my thoughts and I really appreciate you sharing all of those things yeah thank you and um thanks for that validation and all the affirmations because it does mean a lot and I also um hear you on like being a model in the way of creating space for making mistakes and being able to learn from those and also like just showing my younger cousins that it's okay to explore their sexuality too because yeah. like I just am not sure how they're gonna feel because they're growing up in a bit of a I guess similar generation but like some of my two of my cousins are like nine or ten right now so they're like maybe a decade behind me so I'm just curious how it's gonna be for them exploring their gender and sexuality um and just coming to terms with like whatever emotions and experiences come up from their like puberty and adolescence um and how that will be different from mine because even in the last 10 years like there's been a lot of changes and I think like our society has gone through a lot of transition um and has become more accepting in in a lot of ways even though we're we still have so much to work on so I'm curious like how that's going to be for them and I'm just hoping that I can support them in whatever ways feels feels right for them. 
Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful space to get to inhabit. I mean, similar to Anthony, like and how you're the space that you're creating for your sister. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly just so, one, I'm very excited and happy by just the access to information that just young people in the general have today. Mm, true. Like, honestly, even what I learn on TikTok nowadays, it just, <laughs> no, like, I, there's like yeah. a full-on PhD in queer history. Yeah. Phenomenal. Like, where was this yes. when I was eight years old? Right? Yep. Like, oh my, I want to go back I could have been time. a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I'm, I'm really just blown away where the future is going and... Mm-hmm really within that you know children young adults are more empowered than ever and i'm just further more excited to see what new traditions we will see in hopefully the queerest generation yeah yeah what new holidays like we get to create and what new traditions we get to create around this time because i think this time is also a space that is where chosen family is incredibly important and incredibly <laughs> integral and yeah, it's so. I don't know which direction I want to go. Maybe we can go into chosen family, but I also like the the initial question that you asked. I feel like I have so like I ex, I have such a complicated, unformed like unfully formed answer in that like going home for the holidays. Like I'm not actually going home for the holidays because mm-hmm. they're not my holidays. Like mm-hmm. you know. But I go home for the break, mm-hmm. and the holidays for me, where like we really get family together, are Passover and Rosh Hashanah, mm-hmm. and but there is an interest, and I am very, very lucky in that my immediate family um, is just like deeply accepting and like deeply loving and deeply affirming in all of the ways that I could ever ask for, um, and my extended family mostly yeah like jury's still out and some people but like for the most part but what's interesting is that like because I have that anchor of safety in my immediate family and because I am my grandfather's grandchild and I like uh stirring shit up (laughs) I tend to when I'm in family settings like want to resist the narrative of like straightness and resist the narrative of like femininity and womanhood and all those things and I had a partner for many years and just within that relationship I was able to be seen in a specific kind of way and like have a resisting identity because of my proximity to be being in a relationship with a woman um, and so it's interesting because these past two years I've been single and yeah it is interesting like going home and thinking about seeing extended family and like wondering about their judgment because a lot of the judgment that I have I mean let's not it's homophobia it's not judgment it's homophobia (laughs) a lot of the homophobia that like has existed in my life exists in the conversations around um like promiscuity and how like promiscuity is like an imposed idea on like our queer community Mm -hmm and not having a uh, like significant other and like a partner that is like stable and central and like having like getting married and having kids and having the white picket fence and all that like invalidates my identity in some ways according to the perception of my extended family maybe and maybe this is like my perceived and experienced like experienced fears and all those things um yeah those are just some of the thoughts that i have been having 
because it's an interesting shift um, in how I like move through the world and how I am perceived and how I like perform who I am in front of my extended family who I don't necessarily get to see that much. Um, yeah, there's even like a little bit less safety in it because there is more ambiguity around who I am when I don't have somebody to point to and be like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is part of the unit that I am in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As if also just being in a unit is just like confines like all behavior too. Yeah. Right? It assumes that the relationship is also monogamous. It assumes mm-hmm. that it falls in line with cis hetero styles of being, right? Totally. Ugh. Oh my god. And let me be clear, like there I I strongly reject the hierarchy that we impose upon people who are partnered versus people who are single versus like and also the value that we put on partnership. Like mm-hmm. yeah. yes. Strongly opposed. <laughs> <sighs> hmm. That's revolution. Like what you're <laughs> explaining, honestly, like resisting um like the the straightness and like the the gender roles and um like the push to femininity and womanhood and like just recreating that and I just feel like that's revolution um yeah and and that's so real what you said about like being with a partner and how that can be a totally different experience especially around the like winter time and holidays for some folks like that can be it can be really jarring like not having a partner one season and having a partner another season or like vice versa um and so it's definitely like a transition and there's like highlight it's like highlighted like whether or not you're single like on the holidays and yeah. you know it's like quote unquote cuffing season so mm-hmm. it's, it's I hate that term. Yeah, yeah. but people you throw it around all the time and people love to remind you that they are partnered over the holidays which I'm happy for those who have found people that they feel loved with and feel like they can be themselves with. But for those who are, like, single, I think it can be really, yeah, jarring sometimes and just tough and, yeah, can make us wonder what we're doing wrong. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there's, like, a wistfulness there. And Mm -hmm. what's so interesting is that, like, it's hard to not be, the reason that it's hard to not be partnered is because, like, society tells us that partnership is, like, the penultimate goal and the, like, full achieval of who you are Mm -hmm. and I also wonder like how many people stay in partnerships that are lonely like genuinely lonely because it's easier than being lonely alone true during the holidays in particular I've thought about that too like I always get sad like if I'm single at any given point and I get sad and like oh man like I wonder why I don't have someone in my life like a partner Mm -hmm. romantically then I do I did have that thought and I always have that thought of like I guess like people will always put out an image like whether it's on social media or like just when they're in public like of a certain way that they are and a certain way that they interact but it's important to keep in mind that behind closed doors every relationship looks different and that is a good point joey that like this might be a time where partnerships that are maybe not the healthiest or maybe not the happiest are maybe uh i guess reserved for comfort and familiarity because this season is so um emphasize on partnership yeah Yeah, I'm just sorry I'm just sitting in really just how many 
signals we are hit with during these mm -hmm. cold months in which we receive environmental signals, we receive capitalistic signals, we receive social signals, and mm -hmm. I mean, every season has all those, but this mm -hmm. one just feels rough. <laughs> it does, it's overwhelm, and especially this, I mean, truly all years, but like, for me, especially this year, this is really strange dichotomy that like the world is asking us to hold within our bodies which is like the really deep ambiguous grief of like what is happening in the world mm -hmm. and like holiday cheer yeah. and last year I felt sort of like justified in feeling sad because I couldn't go home because of COVID mm -hmm. like I couldn't visit my family mm -hmm. um even though that is like a time when I usually do and this year like I'm so I'm so excited to visit my family I'm so excited to be able to like see friends um you know back in New York it's there the tension of having to hold these two things that are on such extreme opposite ends of the spectrum I think is really challenging and the ways in which like society is set up and the ways in which Chris like capitalist Christmas is set up is doesn't allow for it. it says like no you're not allowed to feel these hard challenging things don't look at the world right now just look at the pretty pretty lights yeah. and there's a lot more nuance there but that's something that i've been feeling recently mm -hmm. i'm there with you i i come down to this sentence happy holidays i'm so happy you stayed alive that's mm -hmm. that's what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Like we are yeah. going through a national pandemic in which we are not like all guaranteed. We all have different access to healthcare. We all have different access to resources in our community. Mm -hmm. Like it's like it's truly like hello. I'm so happy to see you. You made it. It's like mm -hmm. those are such different signals. Yeah, that's like, real. And I think the normalization in our society that this issue is like swept under the rug and that, you know, we're fine and we're out of it. No, my goodness, I, we are in the throes of it. Mm -hmm. And we are not recognizing that. No, and we're in the throes of also just, <laughs> we're in the throes of like deep, at least I am, apathy as well in terms of like, the constant inundation of genuinely bad news of like more school shootings and Roe going away like it and more horrifically racist verdicts because we live in a racist system and like and then the 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 ways in which hope feels very far away right now what is it? Okay, I. Oh. You know what's awful that I'm actually taken to through that? I don't. This is terrible. I don't know. It's also an anime reference, and I'm very sorry if this just takes this. I still think it holds the seriousness, but it was basically yeah. looking at Pandora's box, right? Yeah. And it was looking at what's left after all of that chaos is released. Yeah. It's hope. hope. It is, and we're like not built to absorb all of this stimulus. Mm -hmm. We're just not. That's true. But kind of like, uh, as when hope is like left, it's it really has our minds start to go and really think about what's possible. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, we exist in a structure that is greatly oppressive and, you know, as queer bodies that desperately strive for freedom and that push back actively. I don't know, how, how are you hoping to push back this year in this winter cycle? Especially as maybe some of us might be seeing our families or seeing folks that we may not see. I don't know, how, how are we pushing back a little bit? Hmm. 
I am brought back to the ways in which like the Judaism that I was raised in and one of the things that so I uh, belong to like a gay synagogue in New York City and you know the folks that make up that synagogue are first and second and third generation Holocaust survivors and they're also first and second and third generation AIDS crisis survivors um, and the thing that and every Friday every Shabbat what we are told is tov lechodot which means it is good to be grateful and what that has translated to for me and for the people my teachers is that it is our duty to be grateful and it is our duty to hope and I have yeah that duty and that spark of inspiration and action and energy has felt really far away but I also appreciate being brought back to like the ways in which my family during this time embodies resistance in every way and it is intentional and it's always an intentional choice it maybe would have been easier to to put up a christmas tree and like you know do presents in in that way and all those things um and so i am finding a lot of gratitude for my family, our practices, our spirituality, and the, yeah, the resilience of my ancestors, and the ways in which I can lean on and into that. Thank you, Joy. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks for the question. (laughs) It sounds like a really special and, like, healing space that you have with your synagogue. Yeah, it awesome. is. <laughs> Just surrounded by a bunch of like old badass dykes, yeah. like become your fairy queer moms. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I think for me, um, I really want to be intentional about. I was just thinking and reflecting about how in the past I've always wanted to live up to all my family standards and kind of people please and make everyone happy and be that person that be the granddaughter that you know my great parents wanted to be the the niece that my aunts and uncles wanted and like the daughter that my parents wanted and the sister that my sister wanted um but I think this year I just want to be me and whatever that looks like you get to be the Allison that you want exactly yeah and I that's just a simple way to put how I want to you know break those cycles you can't see behind my mask, but I'm smiling so hard. Like, <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Aww. Well, what about you, Anthony? Oh, gosh. Um, you know what's always awful? I ask the question, I don't ever think of an answer. <laughs> same. That is literally <sighs> the same way. Because I, I, when I when I got asked my own question, I was like, what was it again? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. In what ways am I pushing back this year? You already pushed back by having, like... Your family come to see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I something I in my life I actively do in terms of you know making my voice heard is I place very strong boundaries, and mm-hmm. I, I let people know in my life where you know if you want access to me, like you have to treat me with respect. Mm-hmm. Like not in the sense of like respect me, like I need to be treated this way, but right. respect me as a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, respect me as someone with feelings and respect my full being. Definitely. Yeah. If you're going to talk to me, talk to my full self. Don't tiptoe around. Mm-hmm. Don't 
give me messages with nuance, mm-hmm. speak to it. Yes. And like that has been a boundary. But uh, to get to the question, um, in terms of how I'm actually pushing back, oh, well, yes, that is actually a good, yes, that's part and of also, answering like, that. What, how are you hoping, right? Oh, that's a, a question I do have some rich imagination for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that one day I will be able to host, doesn't matter what holiday, it could be honestly any of them. But I want one holiday where my fa- all of my family comes to me. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to, I, and I want it to be that slow buildup, right? Where each year more and more folks come, but I want it to be an intentional choice that, and I'm going to be a specific, Alan is the name my family knows me by, an intentional choice that they want to see where Alan is at mm-hmm. in full, in full respect, in only love. That is my hope. That's a really beautiful hope because that is. I mean, I I feel like that distills what we have all been saying is that we just want to be seen and valued in all of our humanities and held in all of our flaws and triumphs and beauty outside of the constraints and impositions of capitalism and oppression and familial expectations. Thank you so much for joining us once again for Queers, Queers Unpacking Everything Endlessly and Relentlessly. I think we definitely lived up to that name today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but on that note, we might see you in January. We'll probably more likely see you in February. No, we're seeing you in January. All right. <laughs> well, we'll see you next month. Bye, everybody. Bye.